you know, the, I think the most exciting thing would be is, do you think that Walmart is going to open up uh, opportunities for integrators to become greeters? There might be a lot of integrators that they would be better greeters. Then they'd be integrators. Oh, why would you set me up like that? Think of the hate mail I'm going to get. <laughs> Welcome to Costco. I love you. Welcome to Costco. I love you. Welcome to Costco. I love you. On this episode of Resi Week, we talk touch it and own it, residential wellness, and Walmart acquires Vizio. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. This is Resi Week, episode 419, Babysitting Service. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matty Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Jason Knott. He is an evangelist over at DTools. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for being here. Then we've got my good friend, Mr. Stephen Bronner. He's the owner of Pro Audio Georgia. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well, man. It's a beautiful day. Ah, you are sparkling like a diamond. I love it. And if Mitch has taken all the sparkles out, you won't get that reference. All right. We are going to kick this off uh, with a quick honorable mention, I guess, uh, coming to us from Residential Tech Today. The Cedia Smart Home Awards for 2024 are now open. Uh, you can go and... Uh, apply for those awards. There is a bunch of categories under uh, home technology integrator, business manufacturers, and uh, individual, including some new ones like best technician, which is really, really cool. So you can uh, uh, promote, recommend, uh, nominate, that's what I'm looking for, uh, your best technician to, uh, to fall under that, which is really, really cool. The final deadline is April 15th. So you do need to get that in. Um, and then they'll be given out, uh, I believe during CD expo. So pay attention to that. Uh, all right, we're going to jump into the first, uh, topic of discussion for today. This comes to us from CE pro IWBI's well for residential program has finally had its global launch. This is a, uh, a pretty big deal in the commercial space as far as a standard for health and wellness in the building industry. And they've now created a, a, a framework for residential housing. Go read through the article. Uh, it covers a bunch of really kind of interesting things as far as um, how the well building standard has been adopted by a bunch of Fortune 500 companies um, across 130 countries with uh, 40,000 locations totaling almost 5 billion square feet of space. Uh, but it is very new for residential and they have kind of laid that out. Um, so go, go take a look at it. Jason, let me, let me start with you on this. Who is, who is interested in this approach? Is, is this coming from the, the homeowners? Is this coming from the building uh, industry? Is this coming from, dare I say, the, uh, the environmentalists who are really big on kind of like that, that, that lead style, uh, you know, clean building application, who, who is driving this bus? And it's a great question. And I would venture to say it actually even could be the financial industry. And let me tell you where I come from on that. <clears throat> so first of all, I want to back up. Think of the brilliance of the creation of this International Well Building Institute. It's really the brainchild of Delos. 
So Delos is mm -hmm. the manufacturer. They created this. Pro Think if Crestron and AMX 30 years ago had said, we're going to create an institute for the standardization of home automation that people would have to build to or specify to. And oh, by the way, we are the major provider of that service, of those products for that service. Um, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant marketing um, uh, element that I think that that Delos realized that they, if they created a standard and had people build to it, then that would um, influence people to buy Delos's product. Paul Ciala, CEO of Delos, is the same one who founded this uh, IWBI Institute. So it's really uh, kind of, if you really back up and think of the whole process of how this thing was created, it's, it's brilliant. Um, but the reason I'll say um, that maybe it's driven by the financial industry is I think back to what has happened in this whole sustainability element that mm -hmm. that literally banker banks and financial institutions went to manufacturers and they go to manufacturers still today and not just manufacturers, but any company. And, and they offer favorable financial rates if you have sustainability programs, DEI programs, these popular um, programs. Um, that people are looking for to show that you have a, a progressive outlook. Um, I think this could be, they could be the ultimate driver of this and that I would not um, suspect or put it past that at some point companies and builders, home builders and or homeowners who adopt home, buy homes that have, that meet the standard or builders who are building homes to the standard um, will get favorable rates on their mortgages and or their financing. So that's maybe I'm jaded to think that way, but I don't know. But um, from the integrator standpoint, the integrate, you know, I, I was always, I took the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune from people telling me that I talked about this way too early because it never really took off. You know, we've mm -hmm. been talking about this for 10 years about wellness. And I hear from a lot of integrators that, it really only resonated with the super elite clientele, the Leonardo DiCaprio's who wanted the vitamin C infused showers. You know, those are the types of people that, that this is attractive to. But most of the rest of the customers could care less about it. Um, but I think the only way that this does become more um, important is that financial element that I just mentioned before. So, and let me just add one other thing. The integrators are really in the catbird seat. If you looked at this standard and if you read the article, it talks about nourishment, air, materials, sound, community, mind, water, and light uh, as, and thermal comfort, sorry, and movement. Integrators are doing air purification. They're doing sound, they're doing water, purification. They're doing light, obviously, human-centric lighting. They're doing thermal comfort. So um, conceivably, you could say they're doing movement through the smart fitness equipment. Um, conceivably, you could doing, say they're doing the mind, which is really from the, um, the well-being that comes from an immediate control solution. The only element of wellness that integrators aren't doing is nourishment, which is basically food. So mm -hmm. integrators are really in the catbird seat to take advantage of this if they choose to. Yeah, that's a really good point and an interesting take. All right, Stephen, um, I try not to be too in the weeds on some of the kumbaya aspects of 
the well standard uh, any more than I try to be that way with the lead standard, uh, which for quite a long time had been kind of the what those Leo DiCaprio style uh, clientele were looking for. They were looking for their new home to be built to a lead standard. Is, is this kind of the next iteration of that standard? And do you think it has any legs at all? I don't uh, know if it's got any legs. Um, it is a new iteration of the standard. I don't disagree with Jason that very possible that the um, that the banks may give some kind of preferred treatment to people that follow this standard. Um, it's just another way to try to push people in a certain direction. Uh, we've seen this with all kinds of initiatives and um, you know, it's just one of those things where I don't know, man, I, I just, I look at this and I go, yeah, it makes sense for now, but it's going to wear on somebody and eventually they're going to try to push it too far and it's going to swing back the other way. Uh, just like it, just like the, um, all the hiring standards that they just tried to change to make things better. So the, um, the standards, they tend to be okay. Um, I like what Jason said, uh, but they do tend to be okay and they will be followed until they are pushed too far. And that's what happens with all of these standards is, is the lead standard was the same way. It was great. The buildings were better. You know, they were more sustainable. And then all of a sudden they tried to make it mandatory. Mm -hmm. And when you start making things mandatory, it swings back the other way. Um, I don't have any problem with this. I, I'm a little skeptical in a different direction than Jason is skeptical. And that is that I don't think that integrators are going to be included in this at all. I think what's going to happen is, is as this standard moves forward, you're going to get uh, Sonos and, um, you know, Netgear and uh, Samsung and these other major people, and they're going to be these players in this industry. And all of a sudden, if you want a house that's certified to this standard, it's going to have to have these specific brands in it in order to be certified because they paid the money to play the game. So, uh, and that's kind of what we see with all of these initiatives is, is that um, there's some kind of money to be had there. So the people with money get more of it. And I think that that's what's going to happen. So <clears throat> I think if we have this conversation in six months, all of a sudden you're going to see well-certified TVs and well-certified audio, well-certified thermostats. And they're all going to be from Carrier and Samsung or, or LG. And, you know, they're going to put us out of the industry. So basically it's going to commoditize that side of it. That's one thing I don't like. When you start putting standards out, these lead standards and well-standards, you take the creativity and the customization out of the process. And when you start trying to make everybody the same and everybody be the same and, and then submit to the same standards, you kind of kill what we do for, for a living. I mean, CDL, custom is the very first word in that. You know, um, it, you take the custom out of it when you try to build these standards. So that it, when I see this, that's what I see. When I see this, I see, okay, Next thing you know, we're going to have like the Energy Star rating. We're going to have a well building rating on a specific brand that paid money to be included in this process. So we'll see how it is. I, I'm very skeptical like Jason is, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, the truth is, is I don't think about it at all until it becomes real. 
um, until it becomes real, until it starts really affecting somebody that makes less than $50 million a year, that then it's not real to me. You know, like I, I haven't had a single client mention this. I haven't had a single builder mention this. I haven't had an architect mention this. So until it becomes real to somebody that I speak to, then it's just not real to me. What I think is positive about this is that it seems to be rooted in technology. So mm-hmm. the fact that we're talking about, you know, uh, indoor air quality and sound and, and water quality and thermal comfort, there's a technology-based elements. Remember, when LEED first came out, I, it was hilarious. There was more points attributed in LEED for a drought-resistant plant in your yard than there was for lighting control. Um, mm-hmm. And that was lead was really driven at the builder level of the building. The fact that I like that this is really has already considered technology as part of um, it, it's not ignoring our niche, so to speak, uh, right out yeah. of the gate, which is a positive sign. Yeah, it's a really good point. It'll be very interesting to see if we get some of these larger builders who are already doing like niche subdivisions if they start incorporating this and creating model subdivisions, essentially, um, like they did with, with, with lead, uh, or with solar or with, you know, smart building, et cetera. Um, and, and see how that plays and see what the customers think, because that'll be, that'll be the Hello, this is Steve Greenblatt, host of Aviation's Estate of Control podcast. Each month, Rich Fragosa and I explore trending topics, foundational subject matter related to control programming and automation in the audiovisual industry. We speak with a variety of AV professionals who share their perspective, knowledge, and experiences. Please join us for this monthly conversation. Check out A State of Control on avnation.tv or wherever you get your podcasts. Kicker. All right, let's change topics for a second. This comes to us from Residential Systems and a good friend of the show, Mr. Henry Clifford. If we touch it, we own it. Uh, How proactive do you get when working with new clients? Uh, Long and short, Henry, uh, as usual, writes a really good article going over a friend of his who owns a fire protection company uh, who deals in sprinklers and strobes and all that jazz. And anytime they go in to do a sing, any type of service call, they go in, they map the entire system, they document everything as part of their process to do that basic service call. And then out the door, they provide that information. Uh, if it wasn't existing and the client has, again, the full framework of everything going on. So Henry extrapolates that into uh, something that they're trying to do at Livewire, uh, where they're going to bring in um, all of their service clients in through their sales department uh, to go through and document everything and essentially manage even a basic service call as a new project so that they fully understand the system that they're going to look at and work on, but the client has that information as well. Steven, let me, let me start with you on this. I love this idea. I think this is fabulous, but I look at my company and go for a lot of our service calls, we can't justify this and we will get harassed immensely and and likely lose that service call which may not be a bad thing. (laughs) If we try to go through this whole process of we're going to come in, we're going to document everything. We're going to go through everything when all they want us to do is reset their router, for example. So 
my question to you is, again, I love the concept, but does this bear out the cost? Will, will customers pay for this even when you when you pitch it properly? Is it worth the the, the cost to you as a business owner to, to, to go through this process? Not really to the extent that they talk about here. I think the important takeaway for this is the client um, opinion that that when you're there, the last person that touches it owns it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you that I recently did some work. My son started a business. He's working in a warehouse. They needed a couple of outlets added. I opened the electrical panel and holy crap, oh, there were there were fire violations all inside this panel. So I, I corrected them because, and I told the owner of the building, I, he called me and he said, well, tell me what you did. And I told him, I said, I had to, because I was the last person in there. So if somebody came around behind and said there was a problem, I touched it. I had to make it right. And um, a client see it that way as well. So if you walk in and you say, okay, I reset your router. Well, I mean, some clients, especially ones that are not real technically inclined, will call you the next day and go, well, my Netflix isn't working and it worked, you know, three days ago. Then you find out that they changed their password. You know, mm-hmm. it's it. Once you're in a client's home, it's important to assess all of their technology, but a quick assessment. This overall thing is some pipe dream of somebody that doesn't sign their own paycheck. That's all this is. This is some pipe dream, the company, somebody's got, you know, an idea of what this is supposed to look like. No way. If somebody pays you $125 for a trip fee, number one, you don't have time in in the first hour that you're there to get to know the client, understand their lifestyle and, 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 and what's going on with their issue, solve their issue, explain to them what you did, and now they want you to go around and assess all the technology in the home. Yeah, if it's a 1,200-square-foot house with you know three people living in it, that may not be a big deal. But we don't work in houses like that. That's a cable company job, not an integrator job. Like This is, the, I think that, the idea behind this that people need to take away is that if you touch it, you own it. This The extent that they go through is a little much. Um, and it's oftentimes very easy to spot an idea from somebody that signs the back of the check, not the front of the check. And, and that's what I always refer to when I'm talking to other integrators and I'm talking to business owners is some ideas sound really good when you only sign the back of the check. Um, yeah. So... I do like the idea that we have a discussion going about when you walk in the home, do an assessment, do an overall assessment. I've had ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars jobs come out of a simple service call because I walk in and I go, by the way, it, this isn't working. You know, you have speakers in your ceiling, but you have a Bose thing sitting on your counter. And next thing you know, you find out that, oh, there's stuff in there, but they, they want to use it, but they don't know how or it needs an upgrade. And. This could be very good at for sales, but the gist of the article, when you touch it, you own it, is 100% correct. And you have to be careful with that. When you walk in, the first thing you need to do is talk to the client and find out what's going on and how it affects them. Because if you walk in and, and they say, you know, my internet's not working, which is the most common random call we get. My internet's not mm-hmm. working or my audio's not working. Well, if you walk in and you go, oh, this amplifier is turned off and you turn it back on and a week later something shorts out, you're the last person to touch it. 
So you've got to have, so what we do is, is we take a lot of pictures. So the first time I go into a client's home, I take pictures of all the technology. So if they call me and they say, hey, I've got a problem here or here, it may be a two minute phone call. I may pick up my, look at my picture and go, oh, that cable box right there, those things are terrible. Just power cycle it and that'll fix your problem. But at least you have a reference point. But just remember, everything you touch when you visit a client, you now own that technology. Yeah, that's the truth. All right, Jason, here's, here's my takeaway or, or here's my question. Um, I get Stephen's point and I, I also get uh, Henry's point. And I recognize that uh, when you're talking about fire safety, that that may be a code required, like a safety insurance requirement as well, where they have to document everything, especially if it wasn't. Um, but my question is, in a perfect world, if you could do this, as an integrator, you could go in and before you reset that router, you could document everything quick, you know, sketch everything out, take pictures, as Steven said, be ready to go. When you then send that bill to that client, um, are they going to care? Does, does the end user have any, unless you get that one client that is super, you know, wants to know everything that's going on. Does your average client actually care? Or do they just want you to fix the problem and they don't care how you get there? Yeah, I think what the real, what I might take away, and this is, you know, wise advice from Henry for release integrator to be talking about it, is this is all bred to the service agreement. You know, if, and, and that if an integrator really wants to be, I'll call in essence, the general contractor for the customer because my immediate takeaway from this was thinking of how many times I've heard from integrators re, re, regarding the thermostat versus the furnace. The furnace was put in or the air, air conditioning compressor was put in. You come in afterwards, you put in the network thermostat, and then all of a sudden the furnace isn't working and the air conditioner is not working. And who did they call? They called the integrator. Hey, my furnace isn't working. All you did was put in that thermostat, you know, mm -hmm. and... Um, you know, you didn't, you did not <laughs> install the furnace. You have nothing to do with that air conditioning compressor, but they call you, which is one, a good thing, because guess what? That means that you're the one they trust because they want you, they want to talk to you. But at second, you show up and say, eh, not my problem. Call your HVAC guy um, versus, oh, I have a service agreement with you, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Let me help coordinate getting the, getting the HVAC guy over here because Yes, we installed the thermostat, but the problem is his. Let me get him coordinated, or whether it's the ISP with the cable, as Stephen was talking about. And I'm sure you guys have run into this in, in your businesses where they call you and you had nothing to do with it. Um, but if you have a service agreement, does that elevate you to the position of where you can help them by coordinating another contractor, or do you just ignore it and kind of slough it off? I mean, I'm asking because I don't know where, where it goes, but I think that's ultimately where this has to lead is that if you want to do something like this, you're going to have to, you, you need to develop service agreements with your customers. Jason is a hundred percent right. If you have a service contract and I think that's huge what you're saying. And I'm, I have RMR, I have service contracts and I do all kinds of stuff. We have a lot of verticals that we cover because you can't put all your eggs in one basket. But what I would say is, is that if you're going in for a first time trouble, which is what Henry's talking about, you go in for the first time 
and you're having this conversation, you're not going to, and maybe there are some salespeople out there that'll go, oh, I do this every time, but I've been doing this quite a while. And the first trip to someone's house is probably not going to result in a service contract. The, the third, it usually takes the third trip. The first time they're testing to see how you reliable you are. The second time they're testing personality. The third time is when you usually get in there for a service agreement. So I would say that you're absolutely correct for if you have a service agreement, then you coordinate everything. Our One of our sales pitches is, is we want to be the only phone call you make. So if something happens with the technology in your house in any way, whether, like you said, it's a thermostat or something else, we want the customer to understand they can call us. And if it's not necessarily something we can fix, not only do we speak the language of the HVAC people and the plumbers and the electricians and other things, but we're willing to call them and coordinate, especially other uh, service providers. So like cable companies, alarm companies, things like that. We speak that language. We will call and do the coordination. And I have probably two, three times a week, I get on the phone with a client and and say, okay, now we're going to call your HVAC company. We're going to speak to them. I'll explain to them what's going on. And you can ask any questions you have. We, I kind of call that, I, we used to call it our babysitting service for other companies, but that uh, company heard that one time and it got a little <laughs> sticky. So, but basically what it is, is we are that intermediary, just like you said, Jason, for the, for clients where we, we talk the language, we speak the language, we talk the talk and we, we help them through that process. But once you have a service agreement, it's different, but that first visit, like what Henry's talking about, you're not going to have that service agreement. They're still testing to see if you're reliable. So that's, um, it's it's tough. That's a tough sell. Mm-hmm. I think I think Henry has a lot of great points in this, and and what you said also was great, Jason. But in it, it just seems like it's it's written from a viewpoint of kind of pie in the sky, where you come in the first visit, you document everything, brother. I'm gonna tell you something. You come into most of my jobs and try to document everything on the first visit. You're gonna be there for four or five hours, and nobody's mm-hmm. gonna want to pay a five hundred dollars service call to get their internet working. So that's, that's kind of where I'm going with it. But uh, I hope I answered your question with yes, I agree that, um, you know, whenever you come in, you definitely want to have that conversation. Uh, But it is not done on the first visit. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, gentlemen, we're going to hit this last story very quickly, just because it's interesting. And it just dropped. Uh, From CE Pro, Walmart acquires Vizio for $2.3 billion. Uh, they had been uh, rumored to be looking to snatch them up. They uh, the last little... Well, yes, but notwithstanding. Let me get the questions out, Stephen. Come on, follow along. You're from the South. Have some manners. Um, it is a fairly big deal. They uh, <clears throat> um, obviously paid a, a fair amount for that, and it sounds like the, the, the rumors are that they're doing it to increase their advertising, uh, not only access, but numbers out of it. Read the article, Stephen, you'll get it. Um, Jason, let me, let me start with you really quickly on this. One, is this that surprising? Walmart typically doesn't go and purchase manufacturers, but second, is this concerning at all? Just in the, not necessarily specific to our industry, but to the TV landscape as a whole. Can you foresee them pulling this and making this an exclusive brand to their stores? 
Uh, it's a very good question. I mean, I think you're right from our standpoint, from the industry standpoint, I don't know that it has, it's going to have much effect. I mean, I know some of the distributors carry Vizio TVs as kind of that alternative, alternative, alternative display um, out there for integrators. Um, but, um, you know, the, I think the most exciting thing would be is, do you think that Walmart is going to open up uh, opportunities for integrators to become greeters. There might be a lot of integrators that they would be better greeters. Then they'd be integrators. Ugh. Why would you set me up like that? Think of the hate mail I'm going to get. <laughs> integrators as greeters. Hey, there's a lot of y'all that could use a second career. <laughs> All right, Stephen. Um, very quickly. There's conversations that part of this, we've lost the plot completely. There, There's a lot of speculation that they're doing this again to to get that advertising model that, th that Vizios have, right? And they can essentially take that entire brand and pull um, essentially user data. Vizios, we'll say they've been a little loose with, with customer data in the past. Um, this would allow Walmart to gather a lot of data as well as advertise directly across that platform. Um, I know we don't sell Vizio every now and again, we come across them and I'm always baffled at how much advertising there is on that um, OS. Do you foresee this as just a, an odd purchase for Walmart or is this a, we're going to get some analytics out of this? I think Walmart sees the advantage of being involved in the technology and having a manufacturer level relationship um, or, or entity in the technology field. Um, I think that they could not have possibly bought a more worthless company. But the thing is, is it gives them a foot in the door. Um, I, I, in complete honesty, if I go on the job and I see a Vizio TV, we immediately write in a replacement. I don't care if it's six years old or six months old. Um, they are the most horrible devices. Um, I'd just about rather put in a cable box than a Vizio TV. So my thing is, is, is I, it doesn't surprise me they made the purchase because it gets their foot in the door. Do I think it's going to do them a lot of good? I don't. And it, it may do them good on the consumer side. See, the problem is, is we're integrators. So we see things, we're more of the CDN, not the CES crowd. So the, the, from a consumer side, I can see where they could gather a lot of data. They got some work to do to secure that data. That thing's got more holes in it than the southern border. I don't know what in the world is going on at Vizio. But the, um, you know, let's just, let's just say this. If, if anybody was going to buy Vizio, and absolutely do nothing to improve its corporate image. I think Walmart's the perfect person. Um, I think that if, if uh, basically, I think this is stupid. This is ridiculous, man. I, I'm trying to sugarcoat this, but the truth is, is Walmart bought them so they have an opportunity to get cheaper TVs that they can sell. I, I'm, I'm trying to come at it from a different direction, but we all know they're, they're going to the bottom line and they're going to make their own TVs. It's going to be weird. They're not going to work with anybody else. It's going to have some weird operating system, just like Vizio already has. 
Um, I just think it's strange. Um, the people that are buying TVs at Walmart, though, aren't they don't like they're not buying fancy TVs. It's Walmart. They're not our customers. Not, not to degrade Walmart, but like Dude, they do enough of that themselves. My thing is, is that Walmart, it, those if a customer goes to Walmart to buy a TV and I have said this publicly on social media before and I get some pushback on it. But the truth is, is that if someone goes to Walmart to buy a TV, they're probably not our client. No. Now, if there's somebody starting off new in our industry, these idiots out here like to insult them and call them trunk slammers, and it makes me want to slam them in a trunk. But if somebody is starting new in our industry, they got one truck on the road, they're out hustling their butt off, they're installing surround sounds and TVs, you know what? That customer that bought that TV at Walmart might be that person's customer. But if that person is still going after that Walmart customer in five years, they probably haven't done a very good job. So my thing is, is you have to know your place. I don't think Jason's right dead on. I don't think this is going to affect our industry at all. Not a single integrator I know has ever recommended a Vizio TV. Even the horrible integrators don't recommend Vizio TVs. I mean, that's just... They're just trash. So um, I don't think it will affect us, but I think it's very interesting. Um, it's I, I personally think it's a data grab, and it's Walmart's yeah. way of getting in yeah. and getting cheap TVs so they can get more data because they're going to price these things. You wait. You're going to be able to get oh, a 65-inch yeah, be... Vizio TV for $250 on Black Friday, and the next year, China's going to know exactly what your DNA sequence is. That's just basically how it works, man. That's, I, 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 it's scary to me, but people don't pay attention to cybersecurity. So these things, you ask 100 people if Vizio has ever lost data, and 100 of them are going to tell you no. Because they just don't know. They don't track it. So I think it's an access point for data, and they're going to gain that by producing cheap TVs and pushing them on the market. That's a good point. All right, we're going to leave it there. Uh, thank you both so much for joining us. Stephen, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Pro Audio Georgia, where can they do that? Uh, you can do it at ProAudioGeorgia.com, uh, ProAudio uh, underscore GA on Twitter. Uh, reach out to me. My phone's always on. I love talking to other integrators. Uh, I love this industry, and I hope to hear from some of you. Thank you, sir. Mr. Knott, thank you for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about D-Tools, where can they do that? They can go to dtools.com, and that's d-tools.com. And uh, they can email me at jasonk at d-tools.com or follow me on Twitter at Jason W. Knott. There you go. Thank you again, both of you, for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter or X at Matt D. Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv, where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.